You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. Okay. I think we're recording. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. (laughs) Um, Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Heart and Soul Podcast. It is just Chelsea here tonight. Um, Catherine and I are dividing and conquering in these last weeks leading up to the holidays so that we can still be providing episodes for you guys um, and also get a little time off for ourselves. I'm joined by my longtime bestie, Brooke Hinson. Soon to be not Hinson, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Um, Brooke and I met, the first time we met was like in high school um, and then kind of like reconvened in college and we're super close friends ever since. Um, Brooke lives in the Raleigh area. She is in law enforcement. She just got engaged this year. And she's mm-hmm. one of the sweetest people I know, the most driven no. people I know. And we're super excited to chat with her today. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so I feel the same way about you, by the way. Aww. You've always inspired me. I love my Chelso. Thanks, so. Yeah. And I was like, you're the only one that calls me Chelsea too. <laughs> it sticks. I can't get over it. I, yeah. I like it. It's cute. I know. Am I the only <laughs> one that calls you Brookie? I, yeah. Yeah. My mom used to, but not anymore. I so thought, yeah. <laughs> I call so. you Brookie. No, so cute. <laughs> I know. Well, I'll just let you kind of give a little synopsis intro of yeah. who you are and, and what you do. Yeah. Yep. So I am a law enforcement officer. I have been in law enforcement now for going on six years. So I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Time flies. So um, I'm at a sheriff's office in a local county in the state of North Carolina. And basically I started my law enforcement career at the jail. Um, it was the Wake County Jail, and <laughs> how interesting that was. So, oh my gosh, so many stories. Yeah, so many stories. Um, basically, when I was in the jail, it was a great stepping stone because before that, um, no one in my family was in law enforcement. Um, I was the, the only one. I had to figure out how to get into it on my own, which consisted of the police academy. And to get life experience, usually they'll start a new officer out in the jail. So when I got into the jail, I had got sworn in back in 20, early 2015. And it was just it's such a culture shock because as a detention officer, <laughs> they put me in a pod of 56 guys for 11 hours. I got an hour lunch break and um, all different types of crimes. I mean, I had murderers in my pod. I had people with DWIs. I had larceny, you know, I had a little bit of everybody because no one is technically guilty yet. You know, most people are waiting a prison sentence or to get off the hook or, you know, what have you. So learn to talk to a lot of different walks of life in there. It was very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So to get out of the pod, um, a position had opened up for the detention response team, which was still in the jail. So with that, that consisted of like if a fight broke out, um, a certain group of 
officers who got extra training and had extra tools on their waistband would respond to that. Um, if we had any disorderly arrestees come in, we would deal with them as well. And uh, <laughs> that's actually how I met my fiance, which is kind that's of cool. <laughs> well, let's clarify that he was not one of the inmates. Yeah. <laughs> I get that all the time. And that, that's so funny that you said that because when Chris first told his family, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm dating this girl. I met her at the jail. His brother, John, looked at him and was like, what? <laughs> are you dating one of the inmates? Like, what are you doing? And Chris was like, no, no, no. Like, she's a coworker. She works with me. Yes. So, um, but yeah, that's where I met him. He was on the detention response team as well. So from there, I got a little bit of tired. I got tired working in the jail. You know, who wouldn't? You're surrounded by inmates all day. It's a different group of people. It really is. It, it can be mentally taxing. They, they drain you. It's, they pull on you. It's yeah. And you know, it's like, obviously you're dealing with a lot of difficult scenarios, difficult people, difficult personalities. But on top of that, it's just like, the energy there is never going to be good, right? Like no one wants to be in jail. So I would imagine that over time that you just kind of feed off of that negative energy a lot and that can take a huge toll on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, I saw so many officers get that way. They had, they had been there for years and they just, they were just so disgruntled and just so unhappy. And I mean, it's funny because like the inmates would be like, well, I've been here for five months and I'd be like, well, I've been here for two years. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've done more time than some of them. And you're exactly (laughs) right. Super. It's super depressing. You know, you get institutionalized a little bit. So So, it's not the best atmosphere to stay in unless that's your calling. In that, like in the thick of it, those couple of years that you were there, how did you find ways to keep yourself from falling into that, like maybe depressive state? Like how did you separate your personal life from work and kind of stay positive? And yeah. So luckily I had a great group of friends. You were still around at the time. You still lived in Raleigh with me. So I was able to hang out with you guys some And then obviously the gym, that's been my huge stress relief. Like every night or before a night shift, I would always try to get a workout in. That's just where I find sanity, just in a workout. Yeah. Um, Obviously family time and having a close, close group of coworkers that you can talk to because not everyone always gets it. Like, you know, what we go through and what we experience. So having people like Chris, cause he was in law enforcement and then a few close coworkers I've been able to talk to and relate to has yeah. always been a great outlet and stress reliever as well. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and yeah, that's something you should be like really proud of is that you're able to persevere and yeah. pushing. Cause obviously that, like you said, it was a stepping stone for you. And I feel like this day and age, so many people just want to be at their destination right off the bat, right out of school, right out of college. And that's not always the way that it works. Sometimes we get lucky and it is, but a lot of times you have to kind of walk through the mud in order to get to where you're going. So that's awesome. Yeah. So fast forward a little bit, I guess, where you are now and how you got to that place. Yeah. So 
I, after the jail, like I said, it's kind of stepping stone. It was a good resume builder. And I definitely don't regret my time there. Cause you, like I said, you learn how to talk to all walks of life. You get great experience. Um, a lot of the people that you'll see in the jail, you obviously are going to come into contact with them on the road and it helps to have that rapport with them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So after the jail, I ended up going to patrol. That's usually the next step for most people. So with that, you're responding to, you know, your basic 911 calls, um, domestic violence calls, breaking and entering, um, really every single report that comes out goes to patrol first. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're the front lines of it all. Um, we're the first ones there. We beat the detectives there. You know, we have to get all the, all the investigative material that we need for them. Um, if a crime scene happened, we have to lock it down. Um, you know, just dealing with really high stress situations too. Like in my County, we had a, um, hostage situation at the bank one year. I think that was actually the, the week of your wedding, if I'm not mistaken. Oh I think God. something like that had happened. Yeah, I know. So. Oh yeah. I remember you showing me like a, a photo of you, like, yeah. your car. So yeah. with that, I mean, like, obviously you're just thrown into some pretty, insane, like scary situations. So can you touch a little bit on the preparation and the training that went into like, even like the interview process and like getting through, like what were all the steps that you had to take before they were like, okay, you're yeah. an officer, like go deal with these yep. crazy situations. Yeah. So the police Academy is the very first step. I don't know if any any listeners are interested in going to be a law enforcement officer, whether it be a police officer period or sheriff deputy, but anyone who wants to get into this field needs to go to basic law enforcement training first. So with that, you can either get a agency to sponsor you. Some agencies have their own. Like I know locally Raleigh police department has their own. Um, if you don't go that route, then you can go to a community community college and get certified. And with that different programs have different standards and different um, amount of hours that you have to do. So with mine, it was a little under a thousand hours. Um, but we would wake up at, you know, 4am go PT, we'd be tested on all the laws of North Carolina, we would do um, different role playing events, like practice with domestic violence, learning how to clear homes. Um, if a school shooting happens, how are we going to respond to that? They go in depth with a lot of different training and you are tested on all of this. Um, there's a driving course, which that's really fun. You mm -hmm. get to ride around with state <laughs> troopers and kind of play cat and mouse. Yeah. But um, at the same time, you have to take it very serious. Like while some of that stuff is fun, um, obviously at the end of the day, you have to realize that you have to focus and be precise in everything you do because that one day all of this could matter because yeah. your life could be on the line one day. Right. So, yeah. So, um, and then obviously firearms training. So that's the first step in becoming a law enforcement officer, getting that basic law enforcement training down. Then with that, you have about one year to go and apply to jobs. So once you get a job, they'll either start you in the jail if you go to the sheriff's office or, um, if you decide not to, and you just want to go be a police officer at a different agency, then um, you'll just have to go through their interview process. Now, after you get the job, which interviewing for police jobs is not like your standard job process. Like mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who 
I'm like, wow, like I wish we had it that easy, but I totally get it because not just anyone can be a cop, you know? So usually with a police interview, there's several steps and it takes about seven months to get a job. It's a long, long process. I remember when you were going through it and I would get Mm -hmm. the call for your, um, reference checks and have to answer all these super in-depth questions and I was always like so nervous on the phone like oh my gosh I don't want to say anything wrong and I know I know like what's one of her weaknesses like that's that's a hard question you know what I mean (laughs) I don't even remember what I used to say to be honest with you but I yeah those are things that are like man someone's job is on the line but I mean obviously you want to you want to be honest and they want you to be honest Um, absolutely but I know you and I knew you were going to make a great cop. So yeah, yeah. I'm loving it so far. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So with that, typically there is a physical, which is the POPAT. It's a police um, like physical assessment exam that you have to make the cut. Not like I said, not just anyone can just go be a cop. You have to pass a physical. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to do like a mile run, like different tests are different. Or um, There's a, the POPAT and Cooper assessment, but it's, it's just a physical assessment with a certain amount of push-ups that you have to get in a certain amount of time with running and a few different obstacle courses. So that's one, one step in most processes. Then they'll usually take you through two interviews. Um, another step, most agencies do a polygraph. You'll also have a very in-depth background check. Mm-hmm. So, and then you'll have a drug test and you have to get a psychological exam as well. So there's a lot of factors going on. There. Yeah. That's like, whew, that's yeah. I mean, seven month process is oh, quite, yeah. quite lengthy. And again, like I so admire your drive through all that because when you're watching like all your friends outside of college, like, oh, they interview for this position and then they just get it. Like, like you said, obviously, you know that that's part of the field, but it's still got to be really yeah. gut wrenching to like be thrown through the ringer like that. And oh, yeah, just be on waiting on that call. Yeah. And it's funny because like in most of the interview processes, they'll ask you questions, I guess that, you know, they're trying to trip you up and see what your answer would be. Like, I know for me, they asked me before, what would you do if um, you were doing traffic control and you were on the side of the highway and you noticed a car was swerving all over the road and you pull it over and you realize it's your boyfriend, what would you do? You know, just yeah. questions like that. So it, I mean, yeah. you have to do the moral thing. And I, the way I always answered that was, you know, I don't want to personally be dating someone that's going to drink and drive. I took an oath. So I yeah. mean, he's going to have to, that's not fair for me to write him off and let everyone else, you know, be punished for it. So, right. Yeah. So well, just little things like that. So far, so good with Chris. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so far, so good. So, um, yeah. So after that process, which is about a seven-month process, like I said, you'll be put on, like I said, we'll just go with patrol. Um, if you go to patrol, you'll have to be field trained for about four months. And for the first few months, like you're riding around, you're shadowing another officer, you're just in the passenger seat. Maybe he'll let you use the radio a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you're really just watching. You're shadowing. Um, the second month, you're in the driver's seat. You start. You start taking charge. You start. You know, 
putting into practice what you learned from that officer. Um, you may not know it all, you're not expected to yet, but by phase three, you're basically on your own. He's still there, but it's like he's in the shadows. So you're expected to go on and do your own thing. So, I mean, if you really think about it, like in total, I guess for law enforcement officers, the training is almost a year long. And then that doesn't include in-service training, which happens all throughout the year on updates on laws, updates on firearms. We have to requalify firearms every single year. You know, we have CPR, we have de-escalation courses, and then just so many different courses that we can all take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would hope that it kept you guys up to date and it's not like, a, okay, you're in the fourth now, just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this world is evolving so much and so many things are changing and you know, just with the year that we've had and just some of the, the issues that we've had in today's society, we need more training, especially, you know, yeah. just de-escalation is a big, a big course right now. Right. So, yep. Yeah. So going in line, well, okay. So let's fill everyone in on, you made detective this year. Yeah. Congratulations. I know. So now I am a detective for the family violence unit. Um, at some agencies, they would call it the special victims unit. So I just got in in June and it's been, it's been interesting. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It's very rewarding. Um, it's a lot of work and, um, it can be mentally taxing. So thank God for the gym, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's a lot, but I, I love it absolutely love it. And I'm blessed to have made detective, you know, six years into my career. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. So if you're able to, like, obviously only within what you're able to share, like, has there been a specific incident or case that you've worked on since getting that promotion that has been the most like rewarding or eye-opening for you? There are a few, but they're still pending. Okay. So as soon as they close, we'll jump back on here and talk about it. Yes. I'm sure. <laughs> We're going to keep everyone yes. close. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, I've had quite a few interesting cases. Yeah. Quite a few. I love chatting with you about these. these. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll have to come back for part two. <laughs> yes. We'll come back for part two on that. <laughs> yeah. So... Obviously, like it goes without saying, like you said, you have had, we've all had quite the year, but obviously there's a lot that was going on with law enforcement and um, basically how divided the country got over it. And it, I'm sure it was not easy for you in those, in those months or easy for Chris either and, and what was going on. So I want you to just kind of touch on both of those things like what was it like for you as an officer from your point of view what was it like for Chris and what was it like for y'all as a couple yeah um for those listening that may not know my boyfriend or my fiance we're newly engaged so I'm trying to (laughs) I keep having to correct myself but um he is a he's black so and I'm a white female so obviously you know, in today's society, a lot of people don't care, but some people still do. You know, I love who I love. I don't see color like that. He's the freaking best. My family absolutely loves him, but it's just been an interesting year with everything going on. And, um, 
wrong is wrong when an officer messes up wrong is absolutely wrong it's disgusting and it takes a toll on all of us so yeah. i don't think anyone hates a bad cop more than a good cop so it 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 when people do stupid things like that it just makes all of our jobs that much harder mm -hmm. um luckily in the county that i'm working in we don't have those same problems however my sheriff really focuses on community outreach and community service and building bonds with the community. So we, like I said, it really has paid off because we don't have any of these same issues that surrounding counties are having, thankfully. Wow. Yeah. So it just goes to show how much it makes a difference. Just being nice to people goes so far. Yeah. Being understanding, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So as far as Chris and I go, you know, we've, he's been really worried, obviously, about my job because so many officers at this point have just been shot at, you know, followed on their way home. Um, and a lot of people are, have targeted officers when they don't even know them. And I guess like that, that's the one thing that gets to me the most because, you know, they could look at me, I suppose, and say, oh, you're a white female and associate me with being racist because we did have one protest in Chatham. And, Mm -hmm. And um, some of the protesters were yelling, cops and Klan go hand in hand. Well, yeah, you know, I'm like, that, that's just, they don't even know me. Like, they don't know that I'm in a relationship with a black man. And, you know, we've been together now for five years. And when we have kids one day, they'll be mixed as well. So, you know, it's just, it's sad times. And all I can do is just respect everybody. And you know, just love everyone as much as I can do my job, not discriminate, which I never do. Mm -hmm. And um, just talk to people, talk to people and let them know, you know, not all cops are bad. Be patient with people, maybe even let them know, you know, one day I'm going to have mixed children, you know, and I've said that to people before and um, let them know, you know, I've, I've been dating a black guy now for five years, you know, that's that's really all that I can do, you know, and Chris has just been worried with with my job, you know, and just with everything going on, but luckily things are kind of starting to calm down um mm -hmm. or so it appears anyways, and um i that's just what all I can do. keep yeah. being kind to people, do my job, and um yeah. 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 it's what it really comes down to yeah, that's just it's gonna be it while things are calming down, it's going to be an on ongoing issue. You know, people don't trust law enforcement right now. So like I said, just going to keep at, you know, building bonds with people and, and everything like that. But yeah. Yeah. I feel like, like you said, just going out into the community and just talking to each other, I feel like it's something that in general, as a whole, our society has just stopped doing right we yeah. just see one thing or one headline or one social media post that raises a red flag and suddenly you're on opposite ends of the spectrum and you can't speak yeah. and just hear each other's hearts i think that's been so missed along the yeah. way um yeah. with every issue and everything has become so political and so divided and it's it's sad it really yeah. is, but I think, you know, sometimes I'll get on social media and feel really discouraged or if there's something like 
really on my heart and I feel like posting about it, I have and been really scared to do it because of how our society has caught on to, you know, cancel culture and whatever. But it came to a point where I'm like, you know what? This is getting to the point where I'm fine with showing who I am and what I believe in. And if people want to disagree with that or right off the, write me off right off the bat, then maybe they're not someone that needs to be in my life anyway. But if it's someone who is going to come to me with, Hey, here's how I feel. Let me hear your side and have like a respectful conversation. Yeah. That is huge. And when I did that, I really had some amazing yeah, some people that it didn't have to be like, oh, F you, you're on the other side yep. of this than I am or whatever about yeah. any issue. Yeah. Like, I just wish people did that so much more. Um, but that's awesome that you haven't been having to deal with too much hate, like personally on that level. That's awesome that your county does a good job of keeping that yeah. good relationship. I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of going in a slightly different direction, what has it been like for you in general, just like working in such a male dominated field as a female, like how do you deal with people and demand the respect that you deserve? So really that I learned that in the jail and that was one of the biggest things. Cause it's just, I'm five, three, you know, I'm a little yeah. short thing. So, you know, walking into the pods with a bunch of adult male inmates banging on the door, you know, wanting to get out. Cause like, as soon as you walk in the pod, they're all locked behind the door. So I'd always go in and I would be like, Hey guys, I'm officer Henson. I'll be your detention officer in this pod for tonight. Um, and I'd always go over some of my expectations. I'd say, you treat me with respect. I treat you with respect. You know, I just want to have a good night. So let's just respect each other and, um, just kind of like give a little spiel like that. And I never had problems, but I always treated everybody with respect. And like, I didn't, if, if people were like horse playing in my pod or something like that or playing poker, they're not supposed to, or gambling rather, mm-hmm. they're not supposed to, but I would just go over there, not put them on blast, not yell from my desk and be like, Hey, y'all in the back, like everyone's going to get, you know, I didn't do that. I would walk up to them, not put them on blast, say, Hey guys, you know, you're not supposed to be doing this. This is your first warning. If it keeps continues to happen, then, you know, you're going to lose the TVs, then you're going to lose the phones, then, you know, everyone's going to get locked back. Just giving, you know, giving people a heads up, treating people with respect is the biggest thing. Um, I've seen more officers get in altercations if they walk into a situation and they just demand respect because they're wearing a badge or something of that nature, you know, and I've just, I've never done that. I've always come to a place where I'm like, Hey, I'm officer. I'm deputy. So-and-so, um, tell me a little bit about what's going on tonight. Cause I'd like to hear your side of things. You know, I heard about the other person's side, but I want to hear what you have to say, you know, just treating people with respect and listening to people. And that's, that is the biggest way to get respect. Cause I've gone into situations where I might be at a domestic incident and the male is known to hate females. So I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm thinking, Oh great, here we go. He's not going to respect me, you know? 
Yeah. And it's fine. You know, he is, he's respectful and he listened. Sometimes, you know, I've been there and they start yelling at me. I'm like, hold on. Like, I'm not yelling at you. So you don't need to yell at me. Like I can hear you take a few deep breaths and just talk to me because I want to understand where you're coming from. Yeah. You know, and on scene, that's typically how I get respect. Um, as far as the job goes, I never, I never really had to deal with gaining respect amongst my male coworkers because I was the only female on shift. Like that was it on my patrol squad. I was it, but it's funny. I felt kind of badass because like every time my sergeant needed someone to go with him on the east side of the county, he'd always choose me over the boys. Yeah. You know. Because people know, you know, I'm, I'm a gym guru, I'm in shape. So, you know, and I, I'll get the job done. So well, that's not something I have to deal with as much. That's What's awesome. That? I was going to say, yeah. I honestly feel like you kind of demand that respect by being there, you know, yeah. like, hell yeah, this is a badass chick who like went through all this training is here because she wants to be here, like values her job. And like, she's not afraid of it. You know, I think you just kind of being there as it is, has probably demanded the respect in general. So that's awesome that yeah. you haven't really had to deal with that yeah. much. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, we always ask our guests for questions at the end of every episode. And I didn't prep you for a reason because I like to just get, authentic answers here. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you those four questions. So the first one is what is something that you're currently binging or obsessed with? It can be like a show or a movie or, um, a food. Yeah. Anything. So currently I just started watching Queen's Gambit. Has any, have you watched that yet? I haven't, but my mom did, and she said it was awesome. She was obsessed yes. with it. So the whole thing about that is, like, Chris kept bringing it up. He has a few, like, older clients, and I keep hearing, like, you know, the older population, they, oh, it's good, and I'm like, yeah. I'm not sure if that's my thing. I usually watch, like, crime shows or, you yeah. know, something with a lot of action or something like that, and I'm like, this is a chess, like, this is not going to be for me, yeah. so I... Chris and I literally ran out of everything to watch. So I'm like, all right, like, let's cut it on. Yep. And it is fantastic. And it's funny okay. because, you know, you learn something new about your partner every single day, I feel like, or at yep. least weekly, monthly, something like that. And it's so funny because we're watching Queen's Gambit and Chris is like, ooh, that was a good move. I'm like, I look at him like, Are you, how do you know? And I, he's like, John and I, his brother, he's like, we always used to play chess. So I'm like, I had no idea. I never learned how to play chess. No, I tried. I tried. I remember my one friend tried to teach me one time and I was like, um, this is really boring. I don't want to. Yeah. I just, no, I I could never, I mean, I never even really cared to learn. It just wasn't, I don't think it was my thing. You know, I didn't try it. So that's not fair to say, I suppose, but I didn't like checkers. So I felt like I wouldn't like chess. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day Chris can teach us how to play. I know one day. Okay. The second question, I don't know if I should even ask it. We, We started off the year asking what's something you're looking forward to in 2020. And then obviously 
this year was like a washout. <laughs> well, you oh. can ask because I actually have an answer for that. There's only a few weeks left. So what is it? I know. So this is actually every single year since I've been in law enforcement, I've had to work Thanksgiving or Christmas. And um, I actually have Christmas and Christmas Eve off this year. So like for the first time in six years, wow. I get Christmas off yeah and I'm not on call or anything so I'm totally looking forward to that oh my gosh yes you deserve it that's awesome yeah yeah we're super excited because we're staying here for Christmas and Jordan's family's coming to us and we've never had Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to ourselves like at our own house and like we've always traveled to Raleigh or Charlotte like back to back because we always say Christmas Eve with one family and Christmas Day with the other and now that we have Silas I was like I just really want to be home yeah and enjoy our house like this is our first year in our house our first year with our baby and just like start making our own traditions and your tree was beautiful by the way I saw your tree on Instagram oh thank you so pretty thanks so pretty you saw my whole uh spiel the mantle Yeah. Well, you just, all of your decorations are beautiful. Thank you. Um, well, yeah. Did you see how squirrels overtook my other tree, your arch nemesis? No. Did you see that? No. (laughs) So we had our, our other tree in our shed in the backyard and I asked Jordan to go get it out so we could put it up this year and squirrels had gotten into the shed and made a nest in it. So there was like thousands and thousands of nuts and berries and sticks oh. all in there so we had to go get a new one but for those of you who don't know Brooke she's terrified of squirrels she hates them so I much. hate them they're like rats to me with bushy tails they gross <laughs> me out I can't stand them literally there's a, a path I walk at lunch on in during work or whatever and if I see a squirrel I will like make a noise or like throw a stick (laughs) at it or like wait till it passes. Like I am terrified. Don't ask me why no one, like no squirrels ever bit me. I just, they give me the heebie-jeebies. We would go running together a lot, like on the greenways and whatever when we were in college. And one time, like we were running and Brooke saw a squirrel and I looked over to say something to her and she was on the opposite side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it. Anyway, that, oh, we got sidetracked there. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad that you have off for Christmas. Yeah. We're going to be in Raleigh for New Year's, so hopefully we can see you. At yeah, Raleigh. well, we'll be around, too. And I actually have New Year's off, too, this year, so. Hey. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, because we're, we're such party animals still, so. I know. <laughs> I know. It's um, great. So the third question is, what's something that you love about yourself? I love my drive. Something that I've always loved about myself is if I say that I'm going to make something happen, I always do it. Um, I told myself no one in my family was a cop, but I want to be a cop. And I made that happen. Um, I want, yeah, I was like, I want to be on the response team in the jail, made that happen. You know, I want to be a detective. I want to, I want to be a detective before by 10 year mark. Let's do it. And I put in the work to get there. Um, you know, I've, I've never had anything handed to me. My parents have always made me work for it. 
my car I had to pay for all by myself. You know, when I went to Europe, I had to save that money up. So just that's something I've always appreciated my, my drive. And I'm the only person in my family to have graduated college. So yeah, really? I'm proud. Yeah. Well, Lindsay just graduated last year, but she okay. was like right after me, but I was the first one. My parents didn't go. Lance didn't go. Yeah. Mm-mm. So yeah. Yeah. I don't really yeah. like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you do have insane drive. I'm telling you, like, I remember when we were in school, or really, like, those years, like, senior year into the first few years of, like, adulthood, I was like, man, Brooke is just so sure of what she wants, and she's, like, gonna make it happen, and I was still at that stage of, like, I'm getting this degree, but I don't really know what the heck I want to do with it, and, like, I have no clue what I want to do after school, and even when I graduated, I was just like, mm, let's just see where it takes me. And you just stayed so focused and knew exactly what you wanted from such an early point in college. So I think that's just really something to be said for that. And well, thank really you. Proud of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Final question is um, if you could just leave women with a little nugget of wisdom or encouragement today, what would you give them? I would, I think something that I've been focusing on lately, and I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of different friends lately is self-love. And I bring that up because social media, there's so many pictures of these beautiful women who have all this Botox and, you know, all of these plastic bodies. And here we are comparing ourselves to them or, you know, even these edited photos And that's not real life. And I've met some of those women and they, they don't even love themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just so sad to me. Um, And I would just say self love. And that's something I had had to work on too, because I do the bodybuilding shows. And I think a lot of competitors deal with body dysmorphia because you get super lean and you're like, wow, like I'm shredded. And I really had to learn to love myself in the off season when I was 20 pounds above stage weight or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, and I just want women to focus on that. It's so much more than appearance, you know, one day we're all going to be older and wrinkly and what have you. And just, mm-hmm. you know, self-love, you yeah. got to have it. Yeah. Just, you're not complete without that. Yes. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your heart. We're definitely going to have to come on for part two and yes, hear some stories and yeah. Updates. When, and- when I close some cases and they go to court and everything's panned out. We'll yeah. Talk. yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listeners, we love y'all. Whoa!